was not on the call sheet. That was uh, sometimes you got to sneak things in. You sometimes yeah, you gotta sneak you, things in. You just got to roll with it. Ad lib. That's it. Kind of like, well, hey, this is a great transition because there's a lot of ad living in Thor: Love and Thunder, <laughs> which I believe is the first film that we're going to be speaking about. It is. So dive in, Mr. Manning. So yeah, this is Thor: Love and Thunder. This is the uh, fourth um, solo Thor film in the MCU. I believe it's the 29th film total in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As we are 14 years into this journey, which is just insane. Um, but, you know, right off the bat, one of the first things I have to say about this movie is that anytime you have screaming goats in a movie, I'm going to rave about it. That's that's just something that I have. You know. Anytime I go into a movie, I have a checkbox. I say, are there screaming goats? No. Okay. That's a little bit of a little bit of a point deduction. But this, there are screaming goats. Definitely got to give it a point for that. And giant goats. Oh, look at those. They are wonderful. Yes, they are. They also scream quite a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just set the stage with that and then let you dive into it a little bit. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a movie that I feel... Uh, if you had like a 10 year old and then you had like a 16 year old and they wanted to collaborate on a superhero film, I think if you had a 10 year old and a 16 year old collaborating, you would have something like this because uh, this movie has got uh, all sorts of craziness. You've already heard Thomas talk about the screaming uh, goats and they're giant screaming goats who fly. Thomas didn't mention that. <laughs> so that even adds a whole other layer Um but you've also got some dark elements. Uh, I mean, you've got um, early on, and, and I'm not giving anything away because this happens literally before the title. You get to see this villain and you get a backstory of a villain and you get to understand because of this deep loss, this deep loss of, of, of a love uh, in his life that he is taken down this dark path. Now, we've seen that before. Uh, and things like Star Wars and stuff. But I tell you what, Christian Bale uh, as the God Butcher is amazing. And there are some very dark, dark scenes whenever he shows up uh, on uh, on camera. But then on the whole other side of it, you've got the craziness even beyond the, the giant screaming flying goats. You've got all sorts of other things, including, um, including Russell Crowe starring as Zeus. And he has this crazy dance twirling baton routine using his lightning bolt um and uh there's there's so much more and and i've kind of described this movie as uh, imagine uh, if you had the kitchen sink and you throw the kitchen sink you know everything but the kitchen sink well this has the kitchen sink oh yeah it has the max it has the extreme it has if you think of things that are over the top this is beyond over the top in a film and with that it is almost um at times it feels ridiculous. And the question is, does it work? And with, with Taika Waititi, you, you know things are going to be kind of out there. And so I think, yes, it does work. But I do think that there will be some people, Thomas, that will walk away and say, okay, that was just a little too crazy for me. Thor Ragnarok, to me, I thought there was a, a really perfect balance and it felt very organic. At times in this one, it did not quite feel as organic. It felt a little more um, telegraphed, uh, almost bordering on parody. Uh, and at times it worked for me, and at times it didn't. But it was thoroughly entertaining. Um, there was a lot going on. You get to see a love story. You get to see this montage 
this almost like a, a, a rom-com love story going on between uh, Thor and uh, Dr. Jane Foster. No, it's not Jodie Foster or Jane Fonda, but they could have shown up in the film and it, and it might have worked. Um, but it was a heck of a lot of fun. It was a ride and it was a ride that I'm glad I held on for. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the analogy of like a 10-year-old and a 16-year-old getting together to make a movie. So in this instance, I would say that the 10-year-old is Taika Waititi and the 16-year-old is Chris Hemsworth. And uh, the way I described it uh, a few days ago after the screening, I, I feel like Taika and Chris Hemsworth are cinematic soulmates. Um, and I'm just glad they found each other so that we get movies like this. Um, you know, the character of Thor... I thought he was done pretty well in his first six years in the MCU. You know, he was introduced in 2011 with Kenneth Branagh's film, and I thought Branagh did a great job. And, you know, through the uh, first two Avengers films, I thought Thor was handled well. But it wasn't until Taika joined in uh, 2017 with Thor Ragnarok that they found exactly what this character is and what this character should be. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, I think this movie does a great job reminding you just how tragic Thor's character arc in the MCU has been. He's lost everything and everyone multiple times over, but he keeps finding a way to come back. Um, but still in the middle of all that, he's still working to find himself. And early on in the film, there's a great conversation that kind of speaks to that that main theme, that main through line throughout. There's a conversation between Thor and then Star-Lord, uh, you know, Chris Pratt. And Star-Lord basically says, hey man, you've been alive for thousands of years, but you still don't seem to know exactly who you are. So go out and go find that and go find that love because I know that's what you've closed yourself off from. Um, and he basically tells Thor, it's better to feel the pain of loss than to feel empty, than to feel, you know, nothing at all. And, uh, you know, talking about the title of the film, Thor, Love and Thunder, it's the absolute perfect title. Um, just the exploration of love in this movie, whether that be romantic love, like love between Jane Foster and Thor that, uh, you know, it was a former romance that kind of died out, but is rekindled here in a unique way, or whether that be the love amongst a family like Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy, or the love between a father and a daughter, uh, which is the main uh, main driving point, the main motivation of the villain of uh, Gore, the God Butcher, Christian Bell's villain. You know, just all those different forms of love that are uh, explored thematically in here really moved me in a you know very uh, very special way. Yeah, and I think this, you know, we we talked about this in the past, and we talked about this in in, uh, in film studies as well. The inciting incident in, in any story that's driven, there's an inciting incident that starts the film, but it starts the film with the villain, and that's something you don't see a lot that starts the story on its journey. And I, I would say that this movie is as much about Christian Bell's character, the God Butcher as it is about Thor. I think there's there's an equal balance there. And sure, Thor gets more screen time, of, of course, because it's, it's Thor's movie. But I would say the story itself is is about both of those characters and the journeys that they both take. And Christian uh, Bell is uh, almost unrecognizable. And uh, he was phenomenal. And uh, this movie does have adult themes. Uh, as I mentioned, there are some really dark elements to this, this as well. Uh, so be aware of that. Uh, you know, if you're going to take some small kids, just be aware. And, and if you're aware of some of the other stories we've seen throughout uh, the MCU, you understand uh, there is some darkness that shows up uh, in this as well. But 
Uh, it is a movie that I'm, uh, I've been waiting for for a while. I know that you have as well. Uh, we were there in a, uh, an early screening with, uh, with critics. And, and I think I would say probably for the most part, you know, 75% or maybe more of the crowd uh, truly, truly uh, loved this. I, I know that there were a few that, that felt a little mixed uh, on this. So t- tell me uh, anything else you want to make sure you share about this and then give me your uh, final take with your grade as well. Uh, yes, just on a technical level, uh, one of the, the main technologies used in this film was the volume, which is the same technology they used to make the Mandalorian and uh, other Disney Plus Star Wars shows. So it's basically these massive rooms of panoramic LED screens, and the lighting is more realistic than what you would get from a green screen or a blue screen. Um, and this technology is courtesy of Industrial Light Magic, the uh, Lucasfilm group. Um, so I think that really went a long way toward making the environments in this film kind of feel more you know, authentic and just feel more like they're engrossing you. Um, and that coupled with the IMAX, as you mentioned, we uh, I'm glad we were able to see this in IMAX because the sequences that the film expands to that IMAX ratio are gorgeous. And just as far as, you know, just like putting you directly into the environment. Um, you know, the, the whole film is not filmed that ratio, but the scenes that do expand in that um, really just, you know, fully kind of, it, it's almost like it completely wraps you around and puts you in that in that setting with those characters and those situations and those conflicts. We've talked about this quite a bit this summer, actually. Uh, well, actually going back to even the preseason when we talked about the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange, there have been quite a few films that we've said this in the, if you want to watch this, watch it on the biggest screen and the biggest sound possible. We did that with, of course, Top Gun. And I recommend that as well with Thor Love and Thunder. If you choose to watch this film, watch it big, watch it big, watch it big. Um, there are some amazing action sequences, um, some really phenomenal action sequences as well. And they take place in various locations on other planets, uh, even uh, in the, the basically in the land of the gods. <laughs> you will find a battle sequence going on uh, there uh, as well. And then even uh, as far away as eternity. And um, there's a lot going on. And it is absolutely phenomenal to watch these battle sequences. But then you've got, we talked about the humor, but you've got this deep drama as well that goes on. There's this kind of underlying current. So there's messages, there's themes, you know, stories of forgiveness and, and redemption. Um, and finding oneself, all those run strong in Thor, Love and Thunder. And I think my final grade for this is a uh, solid B+. And, um, you know, I think fans of Thor Ragnarok and fans of Guardians of the Galaxy are going to find exactly what they're looking for in Thor Love and Thunder. I'm really close with you as well, Thomas. A solid B for me for Thor Love and Thunder. And you can find that in the theaters now.